Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersysGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we speak to Madame Cannoli, who is the wife of the late, great Frenchie Cannoli. And some of you may already know that Frenchie has a documentary that has already been released, and it's been in different theatres around the USA, but it's also going to be available for streaming very soon. So Madame Cannoli comes onto the show this week to tell us when and where you can see Frenchie's documentary, Frenchie Dreams of Hashish. So we, we have a very friendly conversation. It's always a nice time when we speak to Madame Cannoli. You know, we speak about Frenchie, we speak about the movie, we speak about different political situations in the USA and the UK. It's a good conversation, as always. And, you know, it's always a massive pleasure to speak to Madame Cannoli as well. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Make sure you roll something nice, preferably hash. If you have it, that would be cool. But of course, no pressure. Just sit back, relax and enjoy this interview with Madame Cannoli. And I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. How's it going? Oh, we're good, Kimberly. How are you? Good, good, good. It's good to hear from you. Thank you very much for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's lovely to talk with both of you again as well. Yes. So have you been busy? I suppose you've been very busy. Ah, there have been moments of intense busyness. Yes, it's true. Nice. So is the film going well? Is it got around to lots of theatres, being viewed by lots of people? So we've done a few major cities in the U.S., um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Chicago. We did a couple screenings at events in Canada, and everywhere where I've taken it thus far has been um, very, very well received. We've sold out most of the locations. Awesome. Um, it's a lot of work to arrange those kind of in-theater things on your own. So next step is to release it online so everybody can see it easily. So you say on your own, are you organizing this by yourself? You don't have any help from anybody. I'm doing most of it on my own. When I did the event in San Francisco, I had some volunteer help because we did a um, before party, we did a wake and bake that was really lovely. Nice. And same thing for Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, to a large degree, it's just... Uh, me uh, reaching out to the community that I know and uh yeah wow that's a that's a struggle that is that's a lot of work to do well um it's well worth it you know the film mm. is uh, a beautiful testament from Frenchie to the farmers that he loved the beautiful images of the cannabis farms in NorCal, a lot of nice uh, background about their work and their dedication. And then also some less than joyful moments of, you know, what a total disaster legal, so-called legal cannabis in the U.S. has been thus far with, mm. you know, all of the major players coming in and pretty much destroying the marketplace in less than five years. Mm -hmm. So that's been a little bit disturbing um but yeah i hope that through watching this it kind of sh is a warning to other places that are approaching legalization to protect their legacy growers and farmers mm -hmm. um the people who really know about the plant how to grow the plant properly so that the end product is something that consumers actually want to purchase yeah. Unlike what's happened in, you know, Canada where they've been destroying records amount of legal cannabis mm -hmm. because the quality is so poor. Mm -hmm. It's shocking, isn't it? It's like they haven't listened to any cannabis experts on what should be done for the better of the community and the cannabis market as well and the cannabis industry. They've just well, ran off and, Yeah, yeah. They've just ran off and pretended like they knew that they were doing and just screwed it up completely. Yeah, well, like Frenchie said, if you want to sell dope, you better work with a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. uh, and they they haven't to a large degree. Or I think maybe in some cases they started out working with somebody who had expertise, 
But then their financial people got involved and said, you know, we need to make this more profitable. We need to shorten the growing time frame so that, you know, it increases profitability. And um, in doing so, yeah, destroyed the, the quality of the product. And I think the problem is that they've underestimated the experience of the consumer. You know, people mm -hmm. have been consuming um, uh, medicinal cannabis, cannabis under therapy laws, in, like in California for the last 20 years. They haven't been consuming garbage. The people who have been growing that weed for these patients are really, really good growers. And they've been growing in really great outdoor environments and have been studying um, how to do better and better regenerative cannabis. So it's kind of like when you live near a farm and you get your fruits and vegetables from the farm and you get used to the quality of that flavor. Mm. And then maybe you have to go to a place that um, is buying product that's um, shipped there in cold storage containers and doesn't really have much flavor. People yeah. know the difference right away. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> analogy. That is, yeah. Just everything is better when it comes fresh from the farm. That's just the it, way it is. Mother Nature knows what she's doing. And mm -hmm. I don't know, the ego of human beings, time and time again, we just think uh, we can do better. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's uh, that, that hubris is just so misguided. I think a yeah. little bit too, we see some of that with some of the breeders who are trying to force these higher and higher uh, cannabinoid levels, especially mm -hmm. the THC or maybe who are messing around too aggressively with some of the terpene co combinations. And then people are telling me in private, oh, either I'm not smoking it as much anymore or I'm not smoking at all because it's creating anxiety for me. And mm. I remember reading studies that showed there was a, a study done at one point in Israel with the one um, Lumiere Labs there that's very famous for their cannabis investigation. And they had received um, both hashish and flour from drug bus by the Israeli government. And so they were getting stuff from charas from Northern India and hashish from Afghanistan and Lebanon and Morocco. And I remember the first time Frenchie read the study and he was like, there must be something wrong with this. His numbers are too low because they were saying the THC in the charas was in the three to seven percent, and some of the hashish was maybe five to thirteen percent, and it Whoa. just so low. Mm. And we were saying this can't be possible because we were getting really stoned when we were in northern India or you know, mm -hmm. hanging out with the Afghan refugee friends in New Delhi. Um and in fact, those numbers were correct. And the cannabis that we were smoking was so terpene rich as well because it was being grown outside at these amazing altitudes that it didn't need to be pushed so high artificially. And mm. I don't ever remember people complaining about extreme anxiety from cannabis smoking, maybe outside of myself, um, <laughs> in, uh, in India. Um, so I think some of the breeding is a is going in a direction that's not serving some of the consumers mm -hmm. it's a good point you know because for a long time with it being illegal and a lot of people using cannabis to get high then it, thc has been bred to be higher and higher every time it gets uh you know bred with a new strain they're trying to increase the amount of thc but if you look mm -hmm. back at the original land races and the thc content is much lower and mm -hmm. it's more got a got of a a varied approach to the terpenes you know nature's made it rather than man coming along and breeding it specifically to get high concentrations of cannabinoids like thc i um you know i'm on this uh Gangier council that uh have, runs a cannabis sommelier program and one mm -hmm. of the other council members is kevin jodry mm -hmm. he's a smart guy he, oh he's brilliant and he has this whole theory um, that is so interesting to listen to because he really places humans as just another animal within the environment that we live in. So if you think of this 
what the French refer to as the terroir. So that's the mm -hmm. environment that includes the land, the water, the atmosphere, and also the intentionality of the farmer in how any plant is grown. And in the French concept, it's really looking at how some environments, some terroirs produce an exceptional product that becomes recognized by the population around it. So, you know, like in Champagne, for example, that has an acknowledgement that the grapes, that the, the cultivar, the Champagne cultivar grown in this region, also called Champagne, is very special, that it produces a wine that is has a recognized flavor. Mm -hmm. And so in Kevin's theory, cannabis has adapted to the needs of the humans in the various locations worldwide. And that this is why we see such a difference between the cannabis grown in Northern India and the charas made from that cannabis. And then simply you flip over the Hindu Kush mountains into Afghanistan and you have a vastly different product. Mm. Uh, you know, it's much drier. It's responding to the environment that it's grown in. But Kevin takes it a step further and says, it's also responding to the needs of the population there that's smoking it. So the environment that people in the high desert of Afghanistan are experiencing, the life conditions, the type of food they have, is very different from the semi-tropical environment of northern India and is even much more vastly different than somebody who's living in that equator area around Brazil or Jamaica mm. where they're smoking the flower because life is easier. You know, there's fruits just like hanging off a tree. <laughs> and then conversely, if you go to South Africa, again, another totally diverse environment that the people have different needs where in some parts, maybe um, the agricultural situation is a little more challenging. And he really pinpoints, you know, kind of the four quadrants of how the plant has responded to both the physical and emotional needs of the humans there. With modern breeding, we went and we took seeds from these regions and recombined them and grew them in terroirs that potentially they weren't made for. So, you know, thinking that a lot of the cannabis coming from Northern California is in this area with redwoods, we get um, fog every afternoon because that's where the major water source for the redwoods are. Um, mm. We have heat in the summer, but it can snow in the winter. Um, the summer's not that long. Uh, you know, very, very different from the plants that were originally from Afghanistan or South Africa, especially South Africa, where they have such longer growing seasonality. Um, yeah, all this to say that some of this modern stuff maybe not perfectly fitted to what we need emotionally and physically. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Cannabis is an amazing plant and it never ceases to amaze me the things that it does and what it's capable of. What, what would you say uh, people can do to bring over them certain traits from like South Africa or Jamaica? Do you think it, it just changes instantly once it's grown in California or the UK, for example? No, I mean, I think any breeder would tell you, any good breeder, um, first of all, you know, you don't have that stability, especially if you're working with seeds, they're going to be doing their mm. pheno hunting to try and find that, you know, within um, all of the aspects of the, the, the plant, the ones that respond to the local environment in a way that the breeder is looking for. So, you know, you want healthy plants, but also, they're going to be looking for, depending on the talent of the breeder, certain terpene profiles, certain um, psychoactive effects in how that, you know, the plant uh, interacts with your perception. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this kind of designer cannabis that the breeders are doing, it takes a certain talent uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to to make something that's going to thrive, especially in these different uh, microclimates that the breeder's dealing with. And mm -hmm. especially when you think that they're sending the, the seeds all over the place. So, you know, so for somebody who's been doing this, maybe in a greenhouse, the plant's not actually reacting to the environment in the way that it would if you put it in the ground or if you grow it indoor. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of complexity around that. Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way indeed. It seems as if uh, strains that are grown in the Netherlands 
they do well over here in the UK because our climates are very similar. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, a lot of it seems to be done in Spain, but but it hasn't made too much of a difference with the strains grown in the UK, I don't think. Well, maybe it has. <laughs> it's hard to tell, really. It's an interesting so, concept. Yeah. How are things in the UK? You know, we Frenchy, we love the UK, and we would love to see you guys legalized so that we could come and... Uh, with it. I would love to come and visit with Belle and uh, Frenchy's other apprentice, Lena. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean not yet obviously we don't go to countries that where it's not legal because we uh you know we don't uh want to have any issues the thing but... here in the uk is that everybody loves weed like so many people a large portion of the adult uh community in the uk just that they love cannabis i'd say around a third of the people the adults in the uk have used cannabis or still use cannabis to some degree but it the government just won't let us have it. You know, even though there's companies out there that grow shitloads of cannabis and export it around the world, we used to be the biggest exporter of medical cannabis in the world. But right now, all of our medical cannabis is imported. It's not even grown here. So it's a strange system. It just seems as if there's a lot of politicians putting their fingers in where it shouldn't be. And it's like you say, the, uh, the market is twisted by all these people who don't know what they're talking about and don't know what they're doing. And I think you have the challenge of probably big pharma and big alcohol Mm -hmm. that are very happy with the number of people who are consuming both. Yeah, absolutely. And are very concerned that, um, you know, one with cannabis, it's one product that could pretty much wipe out the need for both of those things right mm-hmm, i mean because mm-hmm. we were talking the other um day i was on a program uh, in the morning with the ganjiers and we were talking about the therapeutic use uh, of cannabis and frenchy used to say all cannabis use is therapeutic whether you realize it or not mm-hmm. and how for so many people you know we hear so many stories of people who um, I don't know, like who were war veterans who had who suffered from PTSD or other physical ailments that really found success in um, using the the plant therapeutically. Um, you know, just so many cases. People people have told me they got off other um, they got off hard drugs uh, through the use of cannabis, or you know, stopped uh, an alcohol consumption that was too much for their life's functionality. Mm-hmm. And we could just wish that that could be an option for for people everywhere. Yeah, um, it's really frustrating that it's not because again, it limits our ability to move around freely the way that we would like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the UK and France. I don't know. The two of you seem to be in a battle to see who can hold out the longest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think the UK is going to win. God, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's one time I wish that you would beat France. <laughs> <laughs> It's just shocking. It's just a shame because there was a a news article that we just covered on last week's podcast where there's billions to be unlocked for the economy here in the UK. Mm. Just just by legalizing cannabis, there will be billions more in tax revenue to support the country. And we need it right now. The country's broke. So we need some extra form of income to pay all the bills that we have. Like we have an aging population, which... They all need their their pensions being paid. You know, we need more schools because we've got a growing population. The NHS is breaking down slowly, and that needs more money invested into it. Though they want the NHS to fail so we can all move on to private healthcare, it's pretty clear no, that that's the, no, no, that's the government's intention. It's absolutely ridiculous. But this is what they want. They're selling it off piece by piece and expect us not to notice. So, but if we legalize cannabis, we'd have all the money we need to pay for all of these things. There'll be, well, you know, there'll be a lot more money. The we wouldn't be going so much into debt, but it doesn't seem like that's the direction the government want to be heading in, unfortunately. But maybe there's a budget coming up in March, so maybe there'll be something then in that budget to, to say there's going to be some kind of legislation towards cannabis, so they can make some money coming in from somewhere because we don't have anything else well hopefully they'll take start looking at what germany's doing some of the rollout there seems very hopeful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just ju- don't do like california or canada <laughs> <laughs> no 
No, I think it'll be even worse. It's like nobody's learning from anybody else's mistakes yeah, here. I know. It feels like New York and New Jersey are doing the same thing that we did. Every time I turn around, it feels like all the states are talking to the same dumb group of lawyers and big businessmen that are mm -hmm. all just about the money. And um, yeah. yeah. What would you say is the best approach? If you was the politician, if you was the president of the United States or, you know, the prime minister of the UK, what would you do? What, what would your specific plan be for legalizing cannabis properly? I mean, I think it's a complex problem, but from my perspective, as somebody who worked with somebody who was so dedicated to quality that mm -hmm. as French was, who was really all about always trying to get the best expression of the terpene and cannabinoid profile in the trichome heads out of the plant, I would have wanted to do what was originally proposed in California, and that was to put a moratorium on those mega grows and mega business activity to allow the legacy farmers who know what they're doing the opportunity to create an infrastructure to continue to serve their local community. And for those who were more robust, better business people, you know, to scale um, mm, because mm. you need a little bit of time, any business, you know, any large business, Amazon didn't start out to be the mega business that it is. I mean, nope. originally, what, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, they were booksellers. All mm -hmm. they did was sell a few books and they weren't a danger to anybody. But then the government allowed them to grow so big that they wiped out the small booksellers that you had in your neighborhood. And worse, in a way, that wipes out people's ability to kind of have these independent looking um, ways of what books should be in bookstores. Hmm. Um, we have a lot of crazy stuff going on in some U.S. states now where there's starting to be a lot of um, denying or uh, getting rid of books in, in classrooms, you know, yeah. so they're, mm -hmm. they're banning books. And yeah, we're just short of burning them, yeah. Bad news. Burning out. Well, in Florida, I saw, you know, some posts the other day that the law is so vague that to protect themselves, teachers are just removing all books from the classroom. Oh, my God. You know, as somebody who loves books and literature and just has, you know, tripped my whole life on that, I can't think of anything worse for a young child. I would have committed suicide as a young child if I didn't have books, you know, to get, get away from humanity. If they're trying to ban books in the classroom, then you need to go to the library and get those books and find out what they don't want you to read. Right? Yeah. yeah, no, it's really 1984, Brave New World, Animal Farm, all coming into mm -hmm. you know, a live action film in various parts of the US right now. Yeah, and it the is. UK, same thing here. We, we are just the uh, 51st state of the United <laughs> States of America. We really are. We're just far away, that's all. <laughs> but it's exactly the same kind of thing we've got going on over, over here in the UK. It's going crazy, you know, just this totalitarian attitude which the government seems to have. We're just headed in the wrong direction. That's why we need the do-it-yourself. We need people to know how to grow the plants, how to breed the plants, how to take the plants and make your own, you know, hashish or rosin from them mm. so that somehow you can store for the, your family's needs the dried and cured flour, you know, the pressed hashish, uh, the rosin, whatever it is that meets the, you know, both therapeutic and um, recreational needs of your family, you should be able to grow it the same way that you could, you know, grow some grapes if you want it yeah. or and some tomatoes. Um, I think that's really important. So we've continued to really work on that aspect of Frenchie's legacy. After his passing, the lovely team at the Overgrow shop in Brazil approached me about doing subtitles of his do-it-yourself videos into Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And then when they had done that, um, I shared it with the Lost Start group on Facebook, where we continue to support people about hash making learning. Um, there were some, uh, so a Spanish guy reached out to me and he said, well, if they're going to do it in Portuguese, I'll do it for you in Spanish. And so when I told everybody that, you know, hey, the Spanish is now available, the French were like, what? <laughs> if, 
if there's Spanish, we need French. And then the Italians were like, well, if there's French, we need Italian. <laughs> so, so now we have it in six languages. English, awesome. of course, Frenchy needs English subtitles, Portuguese, Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Nice. Yeah, that's yes. epic. And I'm sure there'll be more as well as soon as people you know, find out, hold on, it's not in Cantonese. Let's get on this. Well, I did have one person contact me about doing Chinese, which would be thrilling. Um, so I hope at some point they get back in touch and they, that actually happens. You know what I would love to see is the Arabic and the Hebrew. And I'd oh, like yeah. to read them simultaneously. Mm. Uh, I think that would be lovely. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm sure you could make it happen as well. You know, just if you just reach out there to the cannabis community, they will provide cannabis yeah, community of no, all good amazing. people. Well, and because they did the do-it-yourself video, um, pretty much the same group of people did the subtitles for the film. Because, you know, I mean, now when you watch a film on YouTube or wherever, you have that opportunity to use kind of that auto-translate to get subtitles, but mm. we all know it's total garbage. And I was yeah. just terrified of what what this film could potentially do with some of the cannabis slang in the film. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, it was lovely to have that group of people puts the same kind of love and dedication into giving us subtitles for the film. So that means that, you know, when we do release it on the 29th, if people want, because it's going to be on Vimeo and you, there's a little click down feature for subtitles and you choose the language you want. So they'll be able, if you want to see it with subtitles in Spanish, it'll be available, French, Portuguese, um, Italian. So cool. Yeah. So very, very happy about that for to make that more accessible to people. So when is the the uh, the movie streaming? So it'll be available on the 29th. And my idea is to try and have a big worldwide watch party. Is over it tw 29th of which month, sorry? April. 29th April. of April. Right, okay. Yeah. And um, so we'll start in Europe at 7 p.m., uh, basically French, Spain, Germany time. And um, the idea would be that from the comfort of your own home or you can go there's going to be a couple places where um a couple cities where people are going to have in-person events you can go and watch it with friends um the idea is to start this uh watching at seven so the film's 90 minutes which means it would be finished by 8 30 and then at 8 30 i'm going to start uh, a restream uh live stream and that means I can simultaneously stream to my Facebook group, my Instagram, my YouTube, and LinkedIn. And this restream has the place for 10 people in the kind of living room view, if you would, that people can see from the um, live stream. So we'll be able to talk to people that are hosting events. Um, I'm hoping to get a lot of people to uh, get a hookah and a quasar so that we can pass the hash hookah around. Nice. There'll be some people with me um, that were featured in the film, so we can do some Q&A, answer some questions that people have about the film, or people can share thoughts on the film and maybe what's happening in their local community and just uh, hang together. So we'll do that three times. We'll do it for Europe, then wait a couple hours, and we'll do the East Coast of the U.S., which will include New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., you know, all those East Coast cities as well as Toronto, potentially Chicago, parts of Mexico. We've got that team in Brazil that'll be joining us. So that should be really lovely to kind of have a mixed uh, group, probably have some part Spanish, some sections English, some a little Portuguese. And then after three hours, we'll jump to the West Coast. And I'll be in San Francisco hosting a live event in the San Francisco facility. So looking forward to having a lot of people join me there. Um, in talks with another group that's going to be doing something for Los Angeles. And I hope that by getting the word out about the event, that I'll have more and more people sign up to um, maybe host some in-person events. But also I'm hoping a lot of people will just join us watching from the comfort of their own home with their family and friends. Oh, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Is there a particular website which you prefer everybody to go to to watch it? I think in terms of stability, YouTube is really stable, is my experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if you have access to that, uh, YouTube is going to be your preferred platform. 
But if you prefer the Facebook, I think Facebook is also um, really good. So um, I suspect people will be lost watching from our Frenchie Cannoli Lost Art group in Facebook as well. Um, and then I will try to get Instagram to function. This time we had some problem in the past, but mm -hmm. I've heard that they've made some um, some software, you know, kind of upgrades and links to make that more stable because I know so many for so many people, Instagram is just a really easy um, way to access. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that that's more stable this time. <laughs> and we're going to do some trial runs. Um, so um, I'm going to get with Frenchie's Apprentice, Belle, and we're going to show everybody how to put together the hash hookah. We're going to assemble the hookah. <laughs> With the quasar, show you how you put the little hash, little balls of hashish in the quasar and light that up. So nice. we'll be doing some live stream in advance of that and probably connecting with some of the people in this various cities to just like text out, test out the functionality so we know what we're all doing the day of the event. So we'll have a, some um, pre-event uh, pre live streams with the hookah. And this, this is also going to be on uh, the main Frenchy Cannoli YouTube channel, right? Yes, it will. Uh -huh. cool. Yes, cool. the idea with these, I'll be doing those probably in March and early April just to test out the functionality a little bit, show people how to use the hash hookah to encourage them to maybe get their own so they can do it with their friends. This was one of Frenchy's, you know, once we discovered that you could smoke hash in the hookah really nicely with the Quasar Shisha, we knew you could smoke hash in the hookah. But the thing was, normally when you smoked hash in the hookah, it really tore the shit out of your lungs, excuse mm -hmm. me. And it made you cough like crazy. I remember mm -hmm. I posted once to the Facebook group, the hash hookah, and we were coughing insanely. And some very nice French kids wrote me and they're like, Madame Cannoli, you need to get a quasar shisha. And I was like, what's a quasar shisha? And they were, they told me it's this thermal bowl and you, it, puts the coals above the hash so it radiates heat to it but it's not directly on the hash so then when you smoke the hookah it's more like vaping than taking that strong hit where the the hashish has been overheated and you know you're just like searing your lung with hash oil mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so we discovered this quasar shisha and it just made things so nice frenchie started taking it to all the cups and we also discovered the hookah with multiple hoses and one we were at one event in Colorado I'll never forget because it was one of those things where it's a cannabis event and there's no legal place to smoke cannabis so of mm. course we were out behind the dumpsters <laughs> <laughs> we found a, uh, found a table and we put the hookah together there on the table and then pretty soon half of the event was out behind the dumpsters with us <laughs> I, I was standing next to this guy and he turned to me because he was smoking the hookah for the first time. And he said, it's like sharing a lung with six other people. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, my God, it's so poetic. It's like the smoke is the mycelium of the human environment. You know how trees share information through the mycelium yeah. around mm -hmm. their roots? Mm -hmm. And then it, it really was like, ah, oh, smoking the hookah, that could be the path to better communication and peace because people are sharing this smoke together in a really, really deep way. Anyway, it was just, it was very touching and beautiful. Um, and so since then we've really, whenever we could, we bring the hookah to the event and show people how to use it, show them the Quasar Shisha so that they can have that very nice kind of um, almost vape-like smoking experience where the terpenes are really protected and um and also because it's vape-like it makes the hashish last a really long time it's a very economical way to use and it must be so stuff. delicious as well that's what i'm told yes mm -mm. damn so are you going to many cannabis events coming up in the future so we have uh, one in um edmonton in canada that's coming up in may we're going to be doing um, an event in uh, Vermont, also in May. Um, we have a, a few. We're hoping to get down to Mexico around September, and we've been invited to a couple events in Brazil. 
Ooh. Unfortunately, we won't be coming to Spanibus. We had really hoped to come to Spanibus, but it didn't quite work out this year in terms of scheduling. So we're kind of putting that off till next year. Um, so we're getting around a little bit. And we're going to be doing some events in San Francisco, which is always nice because then we can take the 15 gallon uh, stainless steel washer, the prototype with us, and we can mm -hmm. demo in that washer, which is always lovely. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So you just got to make some hash live there in San Francisco. Yeah. So we did uh, with Bell, with um, Frenchie's Apprentice, we're still doing his workshops to try and continue to spread the legacy and the knowledge as far and as wide as we can, you know, plant a, a bunch of seeds of baby hash makers everywhere. So we are doing the workshops. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do one the day after the event. So for people who may come to watch the film with us in San Francisco on the 29th. I'm hoping to be able to do a workshop on the 30th to really make it with their wild to come to San Francisco. Um, but yeah. Man, I wish I could go to San Francisco and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just going to be different, isn't it? What, watching it in like a group, in, in a group like that, loads of people who appreciate the work that Frenchie did. Yeah, mm -hmm. And people who appreciate cannabis for what it is to be able to sit there and enjoy it with like-minded people, like-minded people like that. That'd be a great watching experience. it on YouTube. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big difference. Well, the one year we did the workshop in Amsterdam and half of the people were from England. Um, uh, yeah. We, we love Amsterdam. We've wanted to, to come forever, but uh, yeah, you guys need to come to us. I'm afraid. Yeah, I know. It's just struggle. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day, and as soon as it happens, I'll be contacting you like Kimberly, Kimberly. It's legal, come it's legal now. Come on. Because you know you guys have some of the best theater stuff in England. Do mm -hmm. have you seen the new Punch Drunk uh, immersive theater event there? No, no, I haven't. No. Do you know who Punch Drunk is? No. So Punch Drunk is a theater group that makes immersive theatrical experiences. They have one in New York. It's called Sleep No More. And it occurs in a building with four floors. And it's theater that takes place simultaneously in different parts of this four-floored environment. And so as the um, kind of the viewer, it's immersive because you wander around and the play is taking place around you in different parts of this four floor theater. And so you get to kind of pick and choose where you have experience. And the whole building is the theater stage. So, wow, cool. you know, in the one in New York, there's like a library environment and then you wander uh, to another part and it's a forest and you wander to another part and it's an insane asylum. So it's just super cool. And they have a new one in England in, I believe it's in London. And um, it's based on um, the story of Troy, you know, so like the hero's journey. And um, I can't, I can't imagine what they would do with all of that kind of history and symbology. And so mm -hmm. I'd like very much to see that because the one in New York was so amazing. Um, well, sounds very cool. Yeah. It will be nice to enjoy some hash and, Go and watch the because everything's better when you're stoned, right? Go cash and walk around, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you have DVDs of the movie as well, or is it all just gonna be streaming? No, we're just gonna do streaming because the post office is just so challenging these mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. so I made the posters of Frenchie because people were asking me that they wanted a nice photo for their grow rooms and their hash workshops. That's cool. How do and we so get how do we get a poster? So for you in Europe, I've actually hooked up with a, a German printer who is sending them out. And they seem to be doing a much better job than the American Postal Service. Because I physically had postal posters made. And here in the U.S., we have these mailers that the post office gives you to put the posters in. The only problem is they're crushing the mailers. So oh, I'm having boy. so many complaints about the posters are not arriving intact. So then I bought cardboard tubes to put inside the mailers to try to double protect the poster. And they even mm -hmm. crushed the cardboard tubes. So oh, wow. Ouch. I don't know what, you know, I just think maybe, maybe postal workers are underpaid. And so there's a certain amount of joy in destroying the mail. Really? I don't know. 
Yeah, that's that's a shame. Uh, for Europe, it is available on our website on the merch page, um, and it is printed by an expert printer in Germany, and they send they ship it to you from Germany, so it should arrive in a very short time frame. As opposed to if I ship it to you from the U.S., first of all, the shipping's astronomical, and good luck if it ever arrives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shipping's increased so much over the last year. Impossible. It's, yeah, it's crazy, man. So bad, so bad, yeah. Yeah, even shipping from one place in the UK to another, it's expensive nowadays. But remember sending parcels out to other countries for 420, and it was like 420, ha, ha, ha. It's not 420 anymore. Yeah. It's not It's not funny anymore. <laughs> well, it's close to 620 now. Uh, now I don't even do it anymore. The missus takes yeah. it to the post office, and she doesn't tell me how much it costs. <laughs> God damn. It's just extortionate, man. So I've definitely got to get one of those posters. I love a poster of Frenchie on my growing wall. That would be epic. Yeah, I call it the smiling Frenchie poster. There was... Um, Is there any pictures of him not smiling? <laughs> There's that too, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, very, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a cool guy. I mean, remember when we interviewed him on the show, man, it was such a great experience. He's just had so much passion for cannabis and hashish. And he told us some cool stories about when he first came across hashish and stuff. I think the first time he smoked hashish was when he was 17 years old and it was a neighbor, a friend. You and know, I, I think it was uh, when he was first making charas. Okay. So that would have been in Northern India in the Himalayas. Oh, and man. Um, yeah, they, they went up there and made some friends and then worked with side by side with these people and ended up renting their fields for like eight years. And mm -hmm. um, initially, the local people were kind of working um, the area in that they would break up the ground a little bit and throw the seeds out and then let the rains kind of work their magic. And after the first year, when Frenchie started renting the fields, he asked them to stop seeding the fields with, you know, seeds that they were kind of cherry picking mm, and yeah. let the plants go back to their natural expression. And he told, he told this wonderful story where he talked about the influence of other plants on the cultivars that were growing there. And he, he's like, I swear there's some kind of connection because so it was a pretty large area that they were working and at the one end of the field there was like a grove of walnut trees and he said he swore when he worked that area that was close to the walnut trees that the charas actually had kind of a back flavor of walnuts and then mm -hmm. down the hill in a total other area the plants were kind of intertwined with strawberries wild strawberries growing among the plants Mm -hmm. And he swore that those plants, the hands that he made of charas with those plants, had an essence of strawberries. And that it was just so mind-boggling to move from one part of the field to another over the side of this mountain. So a very large space. And just experience how the plants were interacting with each other and how the cultivar was subtly responding to its environment. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, it could be that he was crazy and stoned, or it could be that on the mycelium level, the plants were exchanging information and they, the cannabis was impacted by the plants that were growing around it. I think it's a mix of all three. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. <laughs> you know, crazy and stoned enough to notice the difference. That's what it is. There's that too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And you know, all at a time when it was massively illegal back then, especially in the States, you know? Well, he was in Northern India, but yeah, it was very massively illegal, which is unfortunately why we don't have more photographs of what he was doing. There mm. are a few, a very few photographs. It's very nice that a couple of people took the risk to take them back because, you know, of course, every time we would go back to Europe or go back to the States, but especially Europe, they would take everything out of our bags and just examine everything. And the guys would tell us, we know you have something. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so they would just look for it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was very exhausting. Mm -hmm. yeah, I suppose you traveled a lot, both of you together, right? I traveled with him a great deal. Um, we traveled alone a great deal. But yeah, we wandered around the, well, Frenchie said he counted it was 18 years for him. 
um, until we kind of settled down when um, our daughter was born. And, you know, we had to think a little bit more of the stability of her education. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, we had a good time. It was really Has to great. Be done. Uh, yeah. How old is your daughter now? She's in her early 30s. It's hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how fast they grow, eh? Oh, my goodness. It's insane. Yeah, it mm. feels like it was just yesterday. Frenchie used to always say that it's just yesterday I was carrying you on my shoulders. <laughs> I know the feeling. They grow fast. Yeah. Is, is she interested in the work, in the hashish work that Frenchie used to do? No, she's not. But that's okay because mm -hmm. Frenchie had his hashishin daughters, you know, in Bell and then the, his second apprentice, Lena. Cool. So, you know, it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. You know, each to their own. Some people might not yeah. be interested in it. Yeah. I hope my kids are interested in cannabis when they're older. You know, they're a bit young to be considering it now, but it's such a beautiful hobby and such a nice experience to, you know, just grow and consume quality cannabis. I hope they enjoy that when they're older. So lovely to grow any kind of plants. I don't mm -hmm. know. There's just such a level of satisfaction of even growing your own fruits and vegetables and um yeah it's something very good for humans to interact with the plants at that absolutely level. absolutely mm -hmm. it's a it's an amazing experience man and absolutely. tasty as well when you grow your own stuff but yeah so we we're coming up to an hour now and I, I know you're very busy you probably have lots more to do but where can we you know, sorry was that Kimberly? I was just going to say thank you so much for having me on the program again. Oh, no, the pleasure is all ours. Whenever you want to come and talk to us at any time, we are always here and happy to do so. So please do reach out anytime you want to come and talk to us. Thank you. It's always great to talk to you, man. Sorry, Monkey, you say something? No, because I'm very much looking forward to seeing that film that I've heard so much about. As I know. soon as it comes out, I'll be in the audience for sure. Oh, for sure, so, for sure. People who might like to, you know, um, who don't mind sharing their email, and I would only ever use it the one time to send you, I've created a streaming button on the bottom of the Frenchie Dreams of Hashish page. Mm -hmm. And if you send me your email on the day of the event, I will send you a little email with the link of where you can get the ticket, you know, and maybe some little blah, 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 you know, here's the details of where you can get the ticket for the, to see the film. But also, here's how you can access the live stream on awesome. the day of the event. Just to make it easy so people don't have to, I don't know, try and look around and figure out where it is. Because on so many of these platforms, immediately if they figure out you're associated with cannabis, they shadow ban you and they make it really hard for people mm -hmm. to find you, mm -hmm. even if they type in the correct you know, URL or whatever. So I do have that set up. What website do we go for to for that? Where do we go to fill out? We go to the Frenchy Dreams of Hashish. And of course, Frenchy is spelled with a Y. So F-R-E-N-C-H-Y and then dreamsofhashish.com. Uh, mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the page on the footer, there is actually a streaming button. And if right. you click on the streaming button, it'll open a little window and that will allow you to give me um, email information. And then when, um, like I said, the, a day, the day of or a couple days before, I will send you over uh, a little email with the information. I just put it in the chat for you. Oh, thank you very much. How oh, to um, get yourself a ticket and how to attend one of the live stream sessions via Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Instagram, whatever you prefer. Awesome. And you prefer if everybody watched it on your YouTube channel, right? I mean, in my experience, that's really stable, but I'm mm -hmm. totally open to everybody using whatever works best for them. I know there are some people who don't have Facebook because they hate Facebook, totally get that. And others who hate Instagram, totally get that as well. Mm -hmm. YouTube seems to be a little bit, better accepted so you know mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. whatever works i'm very happy to have the four different options for people to use um it should look pretty similar you know you'll have the screen where you can see the live stream and then the, they'll have a chat functionality and all of those platforms so that if you want to talk to other people that are viewing the um who've just watched the film or who are now participating in the live stream you'll be able to do that as well 
Will it be available for download at any point? The live stream? Well, yeah, the movie. Can we, like, uh, you're live oh. streaming it in the future. Will you be able to put it on the website so people can pay for a download? Uh, I don't. I, initially, I don't think that we're going to have that functionality. I'll look right. into the email a little bit more to see if there is what the options are. But um, initially, I think the option was based on time frame. So mm -hmm. there'd be a period of time that you could view it. Right. And um, in all honesty, I, it's on my to-do list is to look at the setup of the, the film streaming. Mm -hmm. We've got the, the film with the subtitles set up and I have to uh, get with the tech guy and uh, understand the options a little bit better. Of course, very busy, very busy. I'm sure you, <laughs> you've got so much to do. I don't want to be and adding more work to your shoulders there. <laughs> <laughs> But it's always a massive pleasure speaking to you, Kimberly, and we do Thank very much appreciate your time for coming here and talk to us about the movie. And we will be there watching it. And this interview will go out way before the movie does. So there's going to be lots of our listeners there watching the movie as well. So I that's really really awesome. I've already gone over to the site, signed up my email. So I'm already there. I'll be there when, when the show comes out. And I will that's do it after this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Kimberly. Uh, anytime you need us to do anything, then just let us know. You know, Will if you do. want us to share links or any news you want anybody to know about, then please feel free to let us know. And we're always happy to share it. Okay, Absolutely. that sounds great. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, so you again, Madam Canoli. Let's, let's wave, Take everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take thank care. You so much. And there we go, everybody. That was the interview with Madame Cannoli. When Frenchie's documentary is released towards the end of April, we'll be doing a watch party. So everybody will be watching it on YouTube and we'll have the Zoom room open so we can sit in the Zoom and talk about the documentary as we're watching it as well. So if you're interested in something like that, make sure you're a member of Percy's Grow Room and you keep an eye out for the thread as we get closer to the time. It will be sweet if we had a whole crew of us who sat there and watched the documentary together. That would be very cool. But of course, no pressure. Just uh, thank you, as usual, for downloading and listening to the show. There was a link there in the show where, where you can go and sign up to the newsletter for Frenchy Dreams of Hashish, so you can find out when it's streaming, at what time, and things like that. You'll be part of the newsletter. So please head over there and sign up for that as well if you haven't already. That would be very cool. But for now, that's it for the interview this week. We'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides, which is all about the NPK for cannabis plants. So... Thank you, as always, for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed it. So we'll catch you on the next one on Friday. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.